I'm, I'm sure you've been asked so much, but but I still want to ask you. You know, um, what was? Did you feel like there was any writing on the on the wall of any kind, or any indication of what might have happened last year with with him? Yeah, uh, I mean, so here's the thing about evolution. Uh, I think it's very difficult to, to to see evolution when you're in it. You know, it's easier to see something on the armchair quarterback when you, you know, like if I'm watching football, man, I can yell at the quarterback, Brett Favre, who is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you'd be like, Brett, oh my God, he was wide open. You didn't see him. But guess what? You ain't on the field. Like in the midst of like 400 pound dudes running at you. So yeah, you got much clearer vision outside of the situation than you do inside of the situation. So when I left in 2012, you know, I wasn't around. So you don't see the day-to-day -day morphing. You don't, you just see things in blocks. So a few months go by, you see a picture. He looks different than he looks here. He looks, so as time goes on, you know, I'm seeing pictures. He looks small. You know, I'm hearing the different things in blocks. Like there'll be a news story about this, or he showed up in LA and he did this and be weird. And he did, you know, this kind of thing. It wasn't like I was there every day noticing things. You know, so by the end, I just remember seeing like the news reports of a plane landing and just kind of seeing him and just seeing how small he was and like it looked like he hadn't been eating and this sort of thing. Because Prince, you know, used to have a cut on him, man. He was like, you know, if you look at, I just saw a computer blue today. I just looking at a, a clip of computer blue. Man, Prince is ripped. He got muscles. He like cut. He looking like, you know, Junior Hulk, man. You know, he was cut. So by the end, man, Prince was really like light and just like, you know, just really small. And I just was like looking like on television and different stuff like everybody else. You know, I'm looking at TV and I see him on TV and stuff. And I'm like, wow, he looks really small. And I just remember like at the end, just like uh, when the plane situation happened, I just remember calling and just saying, man, are you guys okay? It's like, are you okay? Because I'm just hearing stuff and I'm seeing stuff and I'm really worried because it's just a lot of stuff, a lot of scuttlebutt on TMZ and different things like this. And it's just like, you know, I was a bit concerned. And of course, after that, you know, and I was told, like, yeah, everything's everything. Everything's cool. And I'm like, okay, because I don't know. Because I'm like, once you're on the outside of the Prince situation, you're on this inner circle of people that's like dealing with it. And so the best you can do it's just just suggest that I just wanted to check and see if everybody was cool. You know, man, so I, I had my feeling that like things were getting like out of hand because I just didn't like the way he was looking in terms of his size and just, you know, his face looked a little not, not hollow and just things like that, man. I just noticed because, you know, you don't see him in a long time and you know what he used to look like and then what he looks like now. You know what I'm saying? I think when you're there, the daily thing of getting smaller, you don't see that. You don't see it, the gradation of that happening. And I think once I just saw, after being away for so long and just like kind of doing my own life and doing whatever, when you do look at him, you go like, wow, he looked real different than he did like a couple years ago. He's like, he's got these, you know, just what he's doing and what he's talking about. It just was all different, man. And I just remember feeling like something ain't right, you know? And when I addressed it, you know, and I did address it, but of course, you know, a few days later when all that happened, you you, you definitely get that thing of like uh, second thoughts of like, I remember that, that that was a Sunday and I remember on that Monday I talked to Kieran Sharma who was 
used to manage Prince probably the longest. And I remember just telling him, like, yeah, I talked to him over there, and I just said, I don't feel real comfortable about how well he's doing. I'm not really feeling good about his prospects. I remember saying that to her. And she's like, well, well we got to do something. What do we do? And I said, I don't know what we can do. We're, like, outside of the situation now. And so, so, I, so I said, they got to handle it inside the, the circle. They have to handle it because we're outsiders. And I think if we go down there, that's going to, you know, we're going to be like, what do you guys want, you know? And, and of course, man, when all of that happened, I kicked myself for days. I, I was inconsolable for the, probably the first two or three days, man, because I just felt like I should have did something. What could I have done? I should have done something, you know, and I didn't. You know, I said, I, I don't know what we could do. And you just start second guessing yourself and thinking, well, I should have did something. I should have, more than what I did, I should have maybe just got on a plane and just went there and tried to do it. At least I'd have felt good about trying to do that. You know, but, I, you know, so I, I think that, uh, and it's probably not just me, I'm sure there was other people that, you know, because I didn't, I hadn't talked to Prince and, and you know, I, you know, ages probably before that. You know, he had called me when the, the Third Eye Girls was in California, asked me if I'd come, and that was kind of the last time I talked to him, it was like we came out to, to do that. And so I hadn't been talking to him on the regular job toward the end, so. You know, man, and I'm sure that there was other people who probably talked to him right up to the end that just wished that they had done something different. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive I've spoken to a lot of those people, and I know that that's the case. You know, everybody was kind of like, yeah, man, I, something told me I should have went, and something told me, you know, a lot of people said that. So, yeah, man, I, I think there's going to be a lot of self-checking and self-kicking over the situation, man, because, you know, I think all of us feel like we should have did something more, we should have did something different. You know, I know I feel that way. Do you feel um, a little bit more at peace with it now that the one-year anniversary has gone by? You know what gives me peace with it, bro, is that uh, whatever Prince was dealing with, and a lot of these revelations that I've heard are new to me, man. I never personally know. I never partook in drugs, and I, I don't really know what the effects on people are. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. So a lot of things that people would experience, I don't have any a uh, uh, benchmark for like, like when you see somebody doing something, I thought anything Prince did that was like weird was just because he was Prince. He was like, he's this celebrity, he's eclectic kind of cat. And he just does stuff because he's eccentric. Because, you know, he's an eccentric dude. He's rich, he's got a lot of money, he can do what he wants. I just thought it was that. I didn't know it was like, it had to do with anything else. So I didn't know. So uh, for me, um, I don't know, man. I just was like, uh, I, you know, I didn't, all of these revelations, man, it's just kind of crazy. So, uh, I don't know. Why, why do you think, speaking a little more positively, why do you think Prince was so driven? What was it about him that made him driven like that? He just wanted to be the best, man. He just always wanted to be the best. Whatever he did, if it was worth doing, it was worth doing the best he could. I don't care if he was joking around with me and one playing, I was playing drums and he's playing guitar. And, and, and then I'm just like, in Prince just play for hours and you get tired. You'd be like, okay, we, we just messing around. I thought we'd mess around and didn't do something else. He does like, no, we gonna play. And it's like, I'm playing drums. I don't really play drums, but I can keep a beat, you know? And I'm like starting to change up some of the way you do that. And I'm like, well, I'm just changing it up a little bit. You know? And then he just be getting get mad and be like, well, you shouldn't do that. Like. He said, respect the music, Morris. If you're going to play, then play it right. 
like, like, and I'm just like, kind of thing. We just mess around. He's like, no, there's no messing around. We are playing music. So do it right. You know, he just respected the music, man, on every level. He wanted to always do, I don't care if it was 10 or 10,000. I've said that in all these interviews. That was his thing. 10 or 10,000, you play the same show. Give me everything you've got for 10 people or 10,000. It don't make me no difference, man, because if it's worth doing, it's worth doing your best at it. And that's what he was about. He's a perfectionist, yes. Everybody's like, you think he's a, yes. He's a perfectionist. He wanted it right or not at all. Just do it right. How, how much do you think of what he showed the public was him versus how he wanted to be perceived? Well, uh, you know, that's an interesting question, I, I, you know, because I, I just saw so many facets with Prince, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know how much a cat like Prince wanted to really uh, pour out of his soul to people in terms of like, because of his trust level of people. I don't think he trusted anybody in terms of like, you know, he told him I don't can't really trust folks. So I think the stage was the best medium for him because that's where he could pour it all out on the stage. And, and I think the personal side of him, I don't know how many people would get close enough on that side to really see that side of him because I think that side was very guarded with people because he just couldn't trust, you know, like everybody. He didn't know who to trust because, you know, people come and go and, and there's when you think somebody's your friend and the next thing you know, they're, they're in a tabloid saying something. So, you know, it just was like a thing that I don't know if he just ever had that kind of level of trust, but I think the stage was a place he could trust and he can let, he could put it all out there. And I think that was one of the, the things that, that powered him and that was the, the balancing that that was uh, the truth to him is I can when I play that's the truth and it's gonna all come out there you know and I think that's what the biggest thing is if I had to just try to guess about it and then all the other stuff nobody never really got that close I you know everybody likes it like yeah me and Prince me and Prince it's like yeah you know it was me and Prince but I don't I know that dude probably didn't trust me as too super far, you know what I'm saying? Because, and I don't, I'm not delusional about it, man. I don't think that, I, you know, mm -hmm. Prince was my friend. Uh, I'm not saying I don't think, I, I changed it, I said Prince was my friend, but I can't vouch for what I was to him. I just know what he was to me. He treated me like a friend and I was his friend. So I was cool with that relationship. He, I don't know what his thing was, but all I know is that he treated me with respect and he treated me great. And so, um, but I, I think that's what was important for me. And that's all I could, and so I did, couldn't try to figure out like what, what, where in your friend realm am I? You know, that wasn't a concern to me, man. I just like, it don't, it don't really matter. I'm cool with the, with the relationship. And, and if he sees me like a friend and he told me, I remember him coming to my house one time and telling me like, remember Morris, you're my great friend. You brought a lot of people around me that I love and all of this. And so he told me and I, and I take his word for it, so. I'm cool with it. Nice, nice. Do you think um, greatest of all time? Yes or no? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I, I love Michael Jackson because I just think Michael is this another just anomaly. He's a kid. I remember watching an interview with Michael Jackson when he was like seven or something, man, and this dude had asked him about 
you know, why you do songs you do and how, and, and he didn't quite understand the question at first, but then he just said, he just said, uh, well, if I, if I don't feel the song, I don't do it unless I feel it. Like, dude, you're seven. You don't know nothing, man. How you feel something? You don't know what love is, you're seven. But that's not necessarily correct. Michael Jackson had a level of something that, that you just, he was an anomaly. And so Michael was a great entertainer. I think Prince is the, is the greatest well-rounded musician I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying it cause you know, that's my dude. And I, I really, if I had pound for pound, when you think about who are all the greats, you know, Sinatra, Elvis, um, who who people say are great, Jimi Hendrix and all those Stevie. People. Stevie. Who who could do everything to that level like Prince could do? Stevie was a dope, is a dope keyboard player, dope singer. I ain't never seen Stevie cut a rug like Prince. Mm -hmm. Mike can dance, Mike can sing. Never seen Prince uh, Michael play a guitar or a keyboard or bass like Prince. You know, Jimmy could play some guitar. He wasn't the greatest singer in the world and not the greatest dancer. But see, Prince had something that he could do that all he and one of the things he used to love to say, see, we can do them, but they can't do us. And that's what he did. All of them great people I just named off, man, all of those great people. He could do them, but they couldn't do him. That that was the difference. And so that to me is what makes when people talk about the rock and the Rolling Stone, greatest of all time, put just line up all of the stuff in boxes. Put the check over bass player, guitar player. You know, I had Steve Vai, who I considered one of the dopest guitar players in the world, bring me a guitar doing this number right here, talking about, man, I want you to get us the Prince. He's my hero. Steve Vai, that's the devil in Crossroads for you who don't know. Yeah. Go look at the movie. That dude ain't nothing to play with. You understand? He's one of the baddest guitar players ever been in the game. And for him to come up talking about, you know, Prince is my hero and that this dude is dope to me. And then you have the same thing from Eric Clapton, who again, is ain't no punk on some guitar. Come say the same thing. You say, well, they ask Eric Clapton how I feel to be the greatest guitar player in the world. He said, oh, you know, you need to ask Prince. That's what Eric Clapton said. So, so for me, just go to the box and check Michael Jackson, check off the box, amazing dancer, amazing singer, amazing writer, amazing performer. Then put the, 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 the guitar bass, and, and then you, you all you got to do is to fill out every artist under that thing. And I think Prince adds up to be the baddest dude in the game because of he could sing, he could play, he could write, he could do it all. He could, you know, not necessarily, um, uh, uh, you know, Denzel uh, in the acting game, but the, for some dudes, the coming off of Purple Rain is one of the greatest films in the music in the, in the music film genre. And that was dudes playing themselves. They'd never been in movies before. Just acting just like, I mean, who can do that, man? I mean, who, I mean, that's crazy. Just anything he wanted to do, he could just go and pow and just do it. Because he just didn't see anything as being impossible. And one of the things he told me when I was there, he's like, I remember just seeing him doing something. I said, man, I can't do that, man. That's, that's crazy, man. I can say, Morris, if you want to stay here, I don't accept impossible. I don't accept no. That's just not in my vocabulary, brother. So if you want to stay here, then you have to refigure out how to win. We, we figure out how to win around here, that we get it done. And that stuck with me because it's like, well, I want to stay here. I want to. I like this little gig, man. It's cool. So I had to figure out how to win. He said, he said, brother, I just don't. I don't do impossible. 
that's not in my vocabulary. So I don't like that word. I don't like, no, I don't like I can't do it and I, I don't want to do it and all this. I don't really flow with that. So you want to stay, you got to figure out another trajectory for your dialogue. And so that's what I did. And so I stayed for a long time because that, that conversation stayed with me. I think uh, we'd be remiss, Morris, if we didn't, um, you know, mention uh, John Blackwell just passing uh, recently. And this was one of his hallmark works, I think. And also, I think one of Prince's great later works, Rainbow Children. So, um, you know, he was a powerhouse on drums by here. He was, you know, really, um, I think Greg Boyer called him a sweetheart of a guy. So uh, what can you tell us about Blackwell? Well, just like, just like, uh just like Boy was said, sweetheart of a guy, but John was really a genius man in terms of how much into his craft he was. He was a student, man, because every time we got on the bus, I got videotape after videotape about John Blackwell sitting on the bus watching uh, Buddy Rich and just like all of the, you know, Tony, all of the great drummers um, uh, from, from Herbie on down to all, that's all he did was study the greatest drummers in the world because he wanted to be extraordinary like them. And I think that's one of the things that Prince liked about John is, you know, he took very seriously his drumming, man. This dude was a show drummer. You know, he could do all of the tricks. He could play, he could groove, but he had show. You know, and I think that took the, the whole drumming thing up to another level, you know. Um, you know, Michael Bland was one of the most solid, just solid drummers. But, you know, it wasn't like he was doing all of these tricks. It wasn't like it was just like Mike, you know, twirling the sticks and putting in the mouth and, and drinking a cup of water. All this stuff. Mike just going to lay down the groove. But John had elevated to, a, to to this show drummer thing. where He had a look and he had like to put symbols behind so he hit behind his head and all of this kind of stuff. And I think that Prince liked that aspect of it. And, and, and John was a constant student where he was always like learning and showing me like, man, check this out, man, Morris, and look at this. And, and, and he'll be missed, man, because he was a sweet guy, man, just loved to laugh um, uh, and was a serious professional when it came to what he did, man, and, and that kid was really good. And, and, and whenever you get to that status where the drummers look at you and go like, that dude is severe, then he, he had arrived at where he, where he should be. And I think a lot of drummers uh, love and respect John for, for what he brought to the Prince situation and uh, and set a, a new bar for, for 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 excellence with us, man, and, and what he brought to the table, man. I think that was one of the great things about Blackwell. Miss for sure. Just so, so it's tragic at only 43, but um, at least he left us, you know, the legacy he's left us, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I, I just look at it like Prince got some company, man. It's just like uh, I, I, when, you, when you asked me a little while ago, man, I don't feel, I don't reconcile that, man. And I just, I, I don't think I got to the point of that. And the point is that I don't feel as bad because I feel like whatever Prince was dealing with, uh, that I may have been unaware about it, whatever suffering, whatever pain, whatever the situation was, you don't deal with any of that now. I don't, I don't, you know, I always, my mom would always say, son, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so for me, if he's in somewhere with peace and no pain and no sorrow and no grief and none of that stuff, then man, I'm all with it. I'm okay. The ones that's got to suffer is the ones that's still here. We got to deal with the everyday 
dregs of life and the different things that's going on in our political discourse and our civil discourse and all the other things that's going on. Everybody else that, you know, you know, those guys don't have to worry about it. And it's just like, uh, I've lost a lot of friends as a reason, my, my, my good friend, Jack Robinson, who I was one of my writing buddies. I worked with us with Prince with Colin Metro and Jamie Chez, all of the guys in it, that, that have, you know, and then Brian Gallagher, who was one of the MPG horns, you know, uh, we've lost a few. And, and we will continue to lose. I mean, I guess that's one of the things about life. We all born to die. I worked on this track with Prince and, and he wrote this song that hopefully it'll come out one day called Born to Die. And it's a great song. It's a great track. And and it's true. We all come here and we got a limited time. So this becomes what we do with the time that we have, man, on this planet and what we do with our lives. And I, I know Prince enhanced a lot of lives. He enhanced, he did some great music, but even more importantly, he did great things for humanity. I can't count how many people that tell me, man, that music got me through this. It, it saved my life or it did that. I can't count how many times I've heard that. Somebody tell me that it saved my life or it got me through this and did this for me and did that for me. It happens all the time. And so that means Prince did what he was here to do, man. And that music still is here. So even future generations can still listen to that and still get something from that. It's, it's, it's a historical record now. And it'll be here as long as planet Earth is here until the aliens come and collect us or we get wiped out by a solar flare. It'll all be here for us to enjoy and for people to always be able to go to. And that's the great thing about it. And that's what even when people talk about, well, you know, you guys are out money grubbing and doing this, the, you know, the revolution, the MPG, everybody. Think, Man, we, this music is, we, we help create this music. We, we play this music. We're not a tribute band. We're the MPG. They're the revolution. They're Third Eye Girl. This is all part of our own legacy that we were part of, man. And I think there's people out there that still appreciate this music, that want to hear this music. And, if, and as long as people don't, there's a demand, then we'll fulfill that. If nobody wants to hear it, then guess what? It ain't nothing to talk about. We won't be going nowhere because ain't nobody interested. But as long as there are people who are, then we'll do that. Or some version of us will do that, or whatever the case is. I think. For those who don't like it, then you know what to do. Don't don't participate. Don't worry about it. But I think there is a demand for this great music because it is great, and he had something to say. And I, and and I know that if I was standing on the outside, I would want to hear it because that was. I used to go to those shows, man. I used to say I went to see Prince. I got a ticket in my pocket from the show I went to see that that made me want to do it in the first place. And so uh, so that was inspirational to me. So I can only imagine what it is for somebody else. So I, I get it, man. And I would want to see it. I would want to have an opportunity, especially if you never saw Prince and never saw any one of his bands. And then these are people who work with him the closest. So I, that's why I, I support what the revolution is doing. I support what the MPG is doing. If Third Eye Girl Gary go out, I support them too. Shelby J, Liv, Lisa, all of us, because they're all children of this situation. They're all from that family tree. It's just like saying like, well, you know, uh, since Sam Walton died, the kids should just roll over too. They shouldn't run Walmart, they should just roll over. I mean, that they're all kids of Sam Walton. I mean, I hate to use them at Walmart because I ain't necessarily, you know. But the bottom line is they're all from that lineage. We're all from the Prince camp. They all came from the, the, the experiences and everything. So I think us being there helping create that music and helping play that music uh, and in most of the cases, because Prince created you know, a, 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 the vast majority of all of that music, but 
we played on it and, and, and put our input musically into it. And so I just think that's worth something. And I think it's something that I know if I was on the other side, I would want to see. Um, and as like I said, as long as there's demand, we'll do what we can to fulfill it, man. The question, Morris, I mean, I know I, I want to see it and hear it. And, um, you know, let's talk about that a little more. MPG is out there. You've done some shows. You're just in Europe. And um, I actually heard some of one of the shows from earlier this month sounding good. It was a good, uh, real good mix of, you know, all the way back to the early records and through all the years, a couple of MPG songs and uh, bringing the funk. So what's coming up as far as that goes? Well, man, uh, we're really grateful that uh, we've, uh, we've signed up to work with uh, ICM. And ICM is, uh, you know, one of the biggest agencies in Hollywood in terms of a uh, booking agent, you know, um, really like, uh, pleased to be working with them, man. And we're gonna they're gonna book us out on some shows in Europe. We'll probably do the U.S. in March, April, and then some more of the, the festivals again, uh, probably next summer. But uh, definitely, man. I think um, uh, we're looking forward to being able to play more shows. The shows weren't really cool, of course, man. We didn't have a lot of time to kind of even for all of these things that we've been doing, man. All of the celebrations, like the one in October. I mean, we had eight days to kind of put 52 songs together, man. I mean, I wanted it to be a long show. I wanted it to be what people were used to, but we only had a short amount of time to kind of do it. So a lot of people were like, well, it was kind of, it was kind of a little raggedy here and stuff. But, but the idea was to really get as much music and as much of an experience for people who paid all this money, came all of this way, and uh, and we did that, man. It was a lot of music, a lot of people. I wish we had more time, of course. And the same thing with the thing in April. Uh, I mean, we came, we got together for a little under a week and, and did it. So I think, of course, as in a lot of these cats, we haven't played together in 15 years. So I think what happens is, as the more we, just like even when I started with the band, the more we do anything, the better we get. And I think that's what's, what's the case here. As we, uh, you know, we jail, with the, with the guys and everybody gets acclimated back to doing what we, how we used to do, you know, man. Some of these cats been doing like regular jobs and and all this kind of stuff, and it's just like to jump back in at this level at this intensity is not an easy feat, man, because it requires a lot of time, a lot of activity. You have to be in condition. That's one of the things about doing it. We used to play basketball all the time, just kind of keep our stamina and condition running across the stage. If you want to have that energy, you have to work out and and really like get your stamina where you can just like do two hours in some super hot conditions and all this kind of stuff when you're not looking like you're just like out of breath. And I think that sort of thing, you have to work and get yourself back into that place. But all things considered, I think this band did great. And just coming out, they remembered the training, they remembered how it was doing these songs and everybody pulled it together because they were stellar musicians. And so I'm really pleased with, with, uh, with, uh, with the band. Am I, can we do better? Absolutely, and we will. Because you know, the more we do, we'll create more time to uh, to rehearse and to you know really get our vocals together, get our lyrics together, get our music together, so that everything that we do is like Prince worthy. I want everything. I, I always think in the back of my mind, what if Prince walked in on us right now? Would he, you know, Prince? We had a, he was notorious for like we go to check something out. If it wasn't clocking, we were gonna sit through a whole show with just a mess. We're gonna be gone, man. It's gonna be like okay, three songs in. Good night. Sexual chocolate. We out. You know, we out. So 
I always think, would he do the sexual chocolate and do the, okay, we out of here, you know? And so everything has to live up to that litmus test there. We, we did pass that test of him getting up and walking out on it. And I would always think that we got to do something if it's like hold, if we can hold his attention, then we can hold it because Prince would tell you in a minute, if I'm bored, I figure everybody else is too. And that's why he always wanted to change it, right? Because he said, I'm bored. So if I'm bored, I think everybody else is too. And so, so man, that's where it comes down to me. When we're doing anything with the MPG, it's like we just got to keep a level of quality in that if, and even with the players, like I just simply say to them, would you play that right there? You playing right now at principal seat? Would you play that? Are you overplaying? Because if you wouldn't do it with him, you ought not to do it now. That's your test. If he was here, would you play it? And if you say no, then don't do it now. Same thing. So let's keep that principle on and just think about that. What would Prince do? What you know? What would he say if he saw us? doing this and he was sitting somewhere back and checking it out and if you if you don't think that he would approve then please sir please ma'am don't play it here don't do it here it was good to hear the uh, unedited sexy mf again though oh yeah man <laughs> yeah it, it, it's like i say man it's fun a lot of this stuff man i mean even the stuff we got coming because we're changing up the set list man i'm gonna be revamping the set list Retweaking it, man, and get to where we like we used to be. I want to be like this jukebox that we can pull out any of this stuff and uh, and kill it. You know what I mean? Really give the fans even obscure stuff that we didn't play. You know, just find some stuff that people I know would want to hear that he just didn't play or it just was off the off the groove. You know? I'd, I'd like to hear uh, oh, this one in its entirety. That would be pretty. <laughs> It's not going to be coming off of that that we're going to do. I, I, I'm trying to, the thing with, with Exodus is, you know, it had a whole lot of horn parts, and I, I'd like to do a lot of this stuff when we have horn section, but we, and we won't always have horn section, but I am going to, like, a lot of that stuff we're definitely going to put. I, I love Count the Days, man, and, and, and that's something that's definitely going to go on the set. I want Sonny singing more. I'm going to sing some stuff. You know, I got Kip will be doing stuff. I, I definitely want to spread that out. But I definitely want to, you know, go nigga CD. We want to put some of that stuff in. We we had a couple of tracks from that in this last lineup. We did uh, a few things from that. We actually did the title track at one of the uh, exactly at one of the um, and it was killing man. And then we added Deuce and a Quarter at the last show that we did in Vispian in uh, Hungary, and uh, it was just killing man. It was just and so that's in the set now. We just gonna throw that in. But definitely Exodus, man, uh, you know, the Exodus has begun and, you know, hallucination, like all of this stuff, man, we just definitely want to put all that in, in for the set at some point and give people some of the stuff that they hadn't heard in a while. And then the only one we didn't talk about was that one. Absolutely. There's some stuff in there, too, that, uh, that, that, that are definitely going to be showing up in the set list. You know, I like funky music was a groove on some of that stuff. Uh, freaks on this side. I mean, man, there's some grooves in that mug. I mean, you've got a couple of ballads that's crazy on there. The one was like, uh, you know, man, it was just some crazy stuff. I mean, we got so much material. That's the thing, man. It's so much music. It's not enough time. You know, man, we did 52 songs at that thing in uh, uh, in October. I still had people going like, oh, man, y'all didn't hit this right here. I had about 20 people like, yeah, I didn't hear this. That means that no matter how long we play, that was almost five hours, bro. And still people were like, I didn't hear this. I didn't hear that. 
and I didn't hear that. That just means that this dude got so much. I used to get on Prince about using a teleprompter. I was like, I remember when he first started using it. I said, oh, oh, Prince, you got a teleprompter. I said, going on a slippery slope, bro. Slippery slope. He said, how many hits you got? <laughs> he said, I got too many hits, Morris. I ain't got, came to all these songs. It's hundreds of songs. I, too many hits. How many you got? And so I said, oh, you got me there, bro. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? It was. It's a lot of music, man. It's a lot, lot of music that spans over eras when it was before the revolution, the revolution, after the revolution, the NPG, after the NPG, Third Eye Girl. It's a gang of music in there. That's like, you know, and there's great music that you can cherry pick like boom, boom, boom. Here's a ballad, here's this. It's just a matter of finding And no matter how much we do, we ain't gonna never hit everybody's favorite. I'm not a, uh, a medley fan either. So that makes it more challenging. And, and it makes it challenging because that's what we do. A lot of songs are very short, man, because, because in order to squeeze everything in, you, and that's what you miss a lot of the good stuff out of Prince songs when you, sh you shorten them, because that's what made some of this stuff so crazy, the bridges and some of the other parts of the music, the solos and other things that just like made the song the song. It's more than the hook, yeah. Yeah, more than the hook. And so that, that's the thing, man. And it just finding the right balance. And that's my job as an MD, you know, to just try to pick the best parts and man, and just try to get a consensus. I, I even put on like Facebook and different things. Sometimes I just put on there, you know, what would you, you the fans like to hear? And, and then I just take a consensus of all of the things I read. And if I start seeing a familiar thread pop up, especially with some obscure stuff, I said, let's pick that out. Let's pull that and let's do that because enough people want to hear that. You know, uh, you know, because we do want to focus on what people want to hear. We don't want to play something so off that people are like, well, I don't remember that or I don't know what that is. And, you know, we definitely want to try to please the majority of the people that pay and come out, man. We want to do something that everybody can resonate with and go like, oh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that's cool. That song right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You know, you know. Who's, uh, doing, who's doing most of the singing? Well, right now we have uh, Andre Simone and, and Kip Blackshire who you know worked with us briefly during the 2000 year uh, with that group around the Rainbow Children time. And uh, Kip was singing on that record and some, some subsequent uh, material that got released online, like the Chocolate uh, Factory. I mean, the, um, you know, around that era with all of the records. And uh, uh, so Kip is there, Shelby J. You know, and uh, Marvin King, we used uh, like the, um, uh, the celebration. So just, you know, people from our lineup. And then we were looking to add in people uh, that, that you know, that work with folks like, you know, Esperanza and, and uh, you know, different folks that he's worked with over the years, Janelle Monet, and, you know, hopefully like, you know, talk to Bruno Mars. I mean, different people that just like love and respect the Prince. If we, you know, get them to come in and do stuff here and there, I mean, that'd be cool, you know, uh, Nick Acosta, different folks like that, man, that, 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 that Prince loved a lot and, you know, and, 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 and like working with. So hopefully we'll be able to use different folks like that to come in and hit some stuff. And then like I said, a lot of most of the heavy lifting we'll do as the band. I'll sing some stuff. Sonny will sing. Kip will sing. You know, Shelby's there. Shelby will sing. And they get the job done, man. You know, they've been holding it down. I mean, that, that last show was on Smoke. I was just, like, really happy about the last show. And it just, like... It just, you know, it takes a while to gel the show. Even when it was Prince, you know, with the first couple weeks, I mean, you get like you're gelling into it and then everything just starts getting to that super tight, like hitting them with a fist. And so that's what we're looking to do here. 
two more quick questions for I let, before I let you get on out of here. Um, general questions. One is about funk music itself, um, because primarily on this show, have funk artists or funk related artists. Um, what does it mean to you, that genre of music? Why is it so special? And why do you think people continue to gravitate toward it? Well, I mean, funk is a, it, it, it's a vibe, man. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain, uh, you know, funk music because it's just it's just a thing that that just puts that crook in your neck. It makes you move, and I think, uh, you know, the genre. It's been interesting, you know. It's really been interesting because just really the genre kind of faded uh, in a spot, and it's kind of Bruno Mars is actually getting a lot of credit for like kind of putting it back on the map. Um, but for me, funk never left because funk is a is a is a is a is a mode. It's like it's it's where the notes sit. It's where things sit. And and I remember Maceo kind of telling me, he said, you know, Mars. He said, um, he said, you you understand? You from funk? He said, because jazz and funk is two different things. He said, two different things. He said, and so uh, it's 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 a, it's a whole other thing. Is it because it's a field? It's what you sometimes what you don't do in funk. Like if you leave a snare out on one thing, you're like, ooh, that hole just was funky. Like, ooh, the pause. You know, it's the pause. It's the space. And you know, that that right there just cause something just just where it sits in the groove because it's a groove. And sometimes when funk to me is when it is like laid back. If funk don't rush. Funk is like is is in the pocket. That's what they call it the pocket. You got to put it in the pocket. It sits back in the track, and I think that that whole feel when something got that thing and it put a hump in your neck, then you know that that's funky. That's like the same. I said, "Oh, that's funky right there." You are gonna always make that funk face, like because funk make you do this, like oh, ooh, that yeah. And people, it's funny, man. When somebody hit a chord or hit something, it is universal. When somebody hits something that's sideways, when Sonny do something or Mike do something, when they slip something in the hole, Corey Henry. You get the funk face because you go like, "Ooh, yeah!" That's when you know you've been hit, and it's a it's a feeling because once you hit that, it's like, "Man, that's it right there. That's the funk. You just got hit by the funk." And so, I think as long as there are people who can can bend the chord or who can make something happen that's where you wouldn't expect it, or it's just got a groove that's so crazy that the groove just sitting there like that. That's funk, man, and I don't know how you can ever get rid of that. I, I always know when, when we catch a groove and it's like moving like that. Prince used to tell me about how when we go see Parliament, he says sometimes it would be so crazy because so many people said, but man, when they catch a groove, it's like magic. You can't mess with it. You can't touch it. You just have to let it simmer, and it's just going on down the road, and he's just saying that you can do with that. You just got to let him have it. We actually didn't mention him, but would you would you say Bernie Worrell was an influence too? Yeah, please. Bernie. That's the sensei, man. I mean, Bernie, you know, because Bernie's had that classical background, man. And so just what he brought to funk with that classical slash, it was just a whole nother thing, man. And I mean, it's just like his bass synth stuff is the kind of stuff that's like legend. You know, I went and told Bob Moog, uh, like, bro, I'm glad for your contribution to music so that Bernie Royale could play this thing. You know, that I got a chance to tell Bob that. Just like your contribution to music, it will, will always be remembered, man. Because the stuff Stevie did and what 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 Bernie did is like, and Herbie. I mean, all this stuff is crazy. 
that they could do that and just just take an instrument and just make it sing on its own like that, man. And Bernie was the funk god, man, as far as keyboard players or funk keyboard players. Him, Junie Morrison, like all them cats, man, you know, uh, <laughs> Butch, I mean, Sly. I mean, funk players that's like crazy like that, you know? And uh, 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 Billy Beck from Ohio Players. I mean, man, bro, these are some cats that are like the, 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 the Justice League of funk, you know, like that 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 group of cats, man. And so that's when I listen to stuff, listen to George Duke and like all of them cats, man. And it's just like that's that's where it's at Herbie, you know, because Herbie got to be one of the most versatile cats when you talk about could do funk, but then it goes in some straight ahead jazz and swinging like apes. You know, that dude is crazy. Just shift gears on you and you just in a whole nother galaxy because he could go there. He could go to like, you know, around midnight and then go to rocket, you know, and go do that. Billy Preston, I mean, bro, come on. You can't help it, but when you go pull out them records, this still resonates now because them dudes are just like, you know, you know, it's just crazy. What, what do you make of the, the current state of music overall, Morris? Um, do, do you hear stuff that you like? Uh, what, what, what about the, you know, a lot of people talk about the collapse of the industry, but, and, and, and the sameness out there today. What do you think? Well, I have to tell you, I, I, I do have some hope. There's some artists that I, you know, I think there's a big difference between music industry and record there's a big difference. You know, like a lot of people talk about the, the, the business itself, but there's two industries that's happening. There's the music industry and there's the uh, record industry. I think the record industry is in the throes. It's, it's like they're trying to figure it all out. Music industry, there's a lot of stuff going on because now you have artists that can be overnight sensations on YouTube. They can get on Spotify. They got other venues and other places they can go that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to cross paths with a record label. And I think a prime example of just an incredible artist is this group that, that um, I remember a prince was in the car telling me about this group that he had found on the internet. He was in the car, he was like, uh, I found this, you know, you like this surf on the internet all the time, looking for new stuff and new interesting stuff. And he found these girls and he said, um, I found this group called King on the internet. Uh, I like their music. No, that's not what he said at first. He said, I found these girls on the internet. I like their songs. The music they're really good and um we want to like have them open for us and we want to help them have you heard of a group called king and i said king he said yeah i said princess paris and he's like what he said paris i said she came to your studio when you had open house she was the one playing the piano i said i did that record at my house so i told him he's like what i'm like yeah they live down the street from me in la and he was so he, the air just came out of him because he was just like they're like, do you know everybody? And I'm like, yeah, I know them. And uh, <laughs> so they are amazing. I mean, Paris uh, Strutter and, and and her sister are just unbelievable. And and and, and um, it, they're incredible. I mean, they're just like what I they give me. It's like when I heard Jill Scott. It was like in that period, I was like really sad on music, and then Jill Scott came along, and I just said. Music is saved. I said she saved it because here's a girl that didn't fit in the cookie cutter mode or like all of the other 
female singers and it's just like this girl's got something to say she's got she got vocals she got lyrics she got the whole nine yards and she wasn't this typical thing and i just was like so happy about that i was just like thank you god it's a real music real singers and and all of this other kind of stuff it wasn't about you know all of this other foo-foo stuff it was about content and real uh stuff and i think that and so here we are with king we are king um and it's the same. It's extraordinary. It's incredible music uh, to the like. It's like Stevie loves it, and Erica Badu loves it. Prince loved it. And I remember giving him Paris's demo of the songs. I took it to him and he said, "What do you think?" I said, "I like everything, man. Everything on this record. I mean, on this CD, I'm giving you. I love it." And I remember seeing him later, and he said, "Yeah, I love it too." He said, "Yeah, it's all good. Every single track." And I was like, "Yeah, they're they're the truth." And um, they, they to me, were, uh, give me hope for the future. I mean, I like Bruno. I think Bruno Mars is a, is a, is a great kid. I think, um, uh, you know, he's been in the game a long time, working hard, and he finally got his uh, his thing out. So I respect Bruno. I like Bruno. I think he's a good kid, and uh, and I like what he's doing. I, I also think there's a kid named John Billion that I that I like. Uh, so there's a few artists that's like. Uh, there's this other group that's in LA that like, it's unbelievable called Nowhere. And it is like, it's it's just artists like that. It's like, and of course, Corey Henry, who to me is the, is the keyboardist of this, you know, is the one that he's to, to me the baddest cat in the game. And you talk about uh, just a severe cat. And I, and I think Snarky Puppy and, and his group I think are just amazing, and, and and when I see stuff like that, it's just like I'm I'm good. It's like I'm, I'm I think it's gonna be okay. Um, I think like Prince said, it's that there's too many artists. I agree. I think that now that we have computers that can basically write music for you, that anybody that can afford a new Mac and, and some software can now put out a record, and and you know, and and so there's all of these. 10 billion people on these different channels now. And I think you have to sift through a lot of stuff to actually get to some cool stuff. It, cut, it cuts, cuts both ways, you know, it allows discovery, but also everyone's out there. Exactly. It does. It's a double-edged sword to be sure. And so I think you just have a lot more time on the sifting that you have to do to get to some real gems. And then, but to me, it all's a big gigantic circle because you know what it's coming back around to, bro? Anybody can cut and paste and, and make some stuff, to, but, but it's another thing to be able to actually perform it, to be actually able to do it without all of the tricks. Because that's one thing that Prince, Patti LaBelle, Chaka, all of them can do. When you strip it all away, they will kill you singing. They will kill you doing whatever it is that they do without no smoking lights and effects. They can do that. How many of these modern artists can do it without blowing themselves out or without auto-tune or without a track show? That's the difference. It's going back to the times where you had to be like Aretha. You had to be able to sing it. You had to be able to do it in order to draw people out to come see you. You need to be able to like perform and make put on a show. And that's what I love about old school artists. They had to do it. They didn't get to copy and paste all their stuff, sing one pass through and then copy the whole song that way. They had to sing the whole song. That's why they're so good and can sing on pitch because they had to do it all the time. They had to sing it all the time. So they got to be good at it. Most of these artists can't sing in tune because they don't sing enough. You, you sing the line one time and they, they copy and duplicate it and put it over the rest of the song. You don't got to do nothing. 
Mm-hmm. That's how you can make a record in a week now. Because, you know, Steely Dan would go in the studio for five years, <laughs> you know? But then let your record come out at the same time when Steely Dan's record or Donald Fagan's record come out. You weren't winning nothing that year. You was getting whooped because his record going to eat up every award they got coming because they put the work in it. They put the time in it, and it was great records. So you had to time your stuff not to coincide when his record was going to be out. If you ain't winning that year. That's what's great about that. And when you get old school cats like that, when you really get it like that, then you know you are getting the butter from the duck. That's it, man. That's it. Thank you. Good night. And that's what I like about the the, the, the artists from the days of old as opposed to what you get now, man. I don't know how much of it's real now. I mean, they can go in the studio and make and you make singers now sound great. And when you hear them live, they're like, that ain't what I got on the record. That's something else. <laughs> you know, that's a whole nother thing. It's like it's like uh, the beautiful girl who's totally photoshopped in a cover or something like that. And you're a person. It's like ooh, in person you're like ooh. You don't look like you sound. Yes, <laughs> you don't sound like you look. <laughs> you know either one. So so definitely, man. It's a lot of that situation that happens, and I think. Um, but but I I do believe, man. There's some there's definitely some talent out here. And there's most certainly some talent, man, and a lot of extraordinary talent. I look at. Um, uh, like I said, uh, oh man, what's my dude? Uh, this kid is just ungodly unbelievable. He just did a thing with Corey Henry. Um, oh man, uh, I, I, I can't think of his name, but he's he's so um, he does these YouTube videos where he can sing with himself. He got like himself in a lot of different boxes, and he's singing. And he is just—it's just like you just go, how can he do this? How can, how can, it's so crazy. And then like singers like him and, and, and like some of these cats who can do some of this stuff now, they are amazing. They, they, they're on another level as far as that goes because they figured out this technology and, and he can actually do it. I have to, I have to look him up because man, this kid is unbelievable. And I think his name starts with a J. I, I wish I could think of it. It's just like I, I did someone on the spot and I can't think of it, but he is, um, uh, he did a version of like the Flintstones, and it's like him doing all of the parts in the Flintstone, like you know, and he's doing the boom, 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 and all this, and it's crazy. It's like, how can a human do that? It's on another level. And even we would be like, that's crazy how he did that. And so, so I definitely am encouraged, man, with some of the new talent, man, and, I, and I'm I'm hopeful that it'll keep expanding like that because you know these kids are able to download so much information now that you know if you listen to some old recordings man some of that stuff would be out of tune and 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 just sloppy and this that and the other but it had a groove but it's just like now they you know every note can be like and sometimes it's cool and sometimes not sometimes i don't like perfect all the time and that's what give it something is that it's not perfect and is that it's, it's the humans it's, it's like and humans are flawed and sometimes sound is, and sometimes this is, it's a feeling. Everything that comes down there, so funk is a feeling, man. And when you get the feeling, it, you know, man, when I listen to Skin Tight, there's a section where the drums, like Diamond, completely gets off in the groove, which can it'll throw you off. And you'll be like, you got to skip. But they left it. It's like, it's, it's, man, it's got a groove. Let him do his thing. It's just humans. It's just, and they left it. And I'm glad they did. 
because it's just like a feel and it's just like this funk it's just like moving it's like you know and you ain't gonna that long as that song was you get down to that far in the song you ain't starting it's too much magic you ain't starting over man that's like dog you leaving that it's staying like, <laughs> you like know prince, like prince says you got to keep going gotta keep going and so he kept going and it's like it may be a little like the tempo pull a little bit here and there it's just like but it's it's human man and i i, I dig it I can I can dig it and rock and roll. That's the reason why all that Led Zeppelin stuff and all that stuff, man, still still they could have made them records right now. That's what I love about rock and roll. A lot of that stuff, um, Aerosmith and like some of that, they could have made them records right now and still be dope. It's killing the Beatles, all them cats, man. They can make that record right now and it still would be great. It's got shelf life. That's what I love about it. Amen. And the MPG is still doing it, taking it to the stage and showing what it's like to, to, to do it live. So uh, I'm grateful for that. Well, I think Morris have taken up more than enough of your time. So appreciate you, uh, you know, being so gracious with it. I want to uh, make sure that you get out to viewers, you know, how they can keep up with you, with the MPG, all things related to that. So why don't you give them those hookups? Yeah, I, I will do that. Uh, so, uh, you can you can follow me on facebook of course i have a like page uh, you know like a kind of artist page we have the mpg page on facebook and uh so we definitely uh want everybody to just keep uh, keep us in mind as we are out here doing these shows and everything man I, I i'm also doing a project called world symphony for peace which is something i started working on when i was in, living in china for like five or six months and uh, it's really dope because what I'm using music as a platform for peace, man. I, I want to go to different countries and, and work with artists that are like, you know, uh, doing their thing and I'm doing my thing and we bring it all together. And, and, and it's just to show that even in this political climate, even in where we are with all of this conflicts and terrorism that's going on in the world, that people from different places and different backgrounds and different races and different everything uh, can, can get together on the cause of creating music and, and creating peace and love and harmony man that's what it's about for me you know i know it sounds like some lofty crazy stuff and you know, peace love and harmony it's so hippie but it's really real man it's like we we, we need more love we need more uh, to be together this world is going to see some pretty terrible things and human beings need to get together we need to all work together for a better planet for a better people and just put aside all of the crazy stuff man that whatever that i grew up in the church man and People got all the different kinds of religious differences and we can't allow those things to separate us, man, and make us not be kind to one another. And, and I think music has always been a great platform of bringing people together. So I want to use that as a way to kind of bridge people and show that there's much more we have in common than not. You know, so World Symphony for Peace, we're going to be working on that and uh, the MPG and just uh, anything that's about positive moving forward that, that, that I want to be a part of that. So please, Keep it out, Mr. Hayes. And I'm gonna start getting better about my social thing with the, you know, it's so many things, man. You got Twitter, you got Instagram and all of these things. And it's like, there's not enough hours in the day, but that's what the, that's the times we live in. So I got people that's like, Morris, you gotta go and put your thing on that hashtag and do it, bro, do it, bro. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put it on there. And I just etch out a few moments a day to just like kind of keep people in tune because we want to do something that's uplifting and something that's positive for people, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm a happy cat, man. I've, I've come to this place in life. It don't take a whole lot for me to be real, real cool, man. I'm just grateful for friends and family and, 
when you're here with them, you know, man, as people getting older and, you know, things set in, you just appreciate uh, what you have in friends and family, man. And so I just think it's about all of that. It's about love and it's about really um, making sure that people are cool in life and that we all enjoy this journey together, man. So that's what I'm about, man. So check it out, MPG site, Mr. Hayes. You know, follow me on any of that stuff on Facebook. And, and, and like I said, I'm going to tighten up my Twitter on the Twitter and the Instagram. I'm going to get all that together too, man. So I'm going to work that out too. Amen, Morris. Uh, all props to you. Keep on keeping on. So glad that you're you're at it and your head's in such a good good place. Yes, so um, with that, if you just stand by for a minute, I'm going to wrap this up for us. Um, time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. A huge thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Morris Hayes, one of Prince's most respected bandmates and members of the MPG. Morris, thank you again uh, so much for all your time. I appreciate being here, man. Thank you for the time. Sincere thank you also to viewers and listeners. Be sure to be on the lookout for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes. Catch up with previous installments at FunkinStuff.net on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading providers. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. And if you're an artist or a music industry figure who wants to be on the show, or a fan who wants to see a particular artist on the show, drop me a line at scottg at FunkinStuff.net, and we'll try to get that hooked up. Until next time, on behalf of Mr. Morris Hayes, this is Scott. Dr. Scott. <laughs> this is Scott, Dr. Jake Skolfein, saying keep on vibing to the rhythm of the one.